Hello, and welcome to Voices in Healthcare Finance. February is National Wise Healthcare Consumer Month, and today on the podcast, we're bringing you stories about how healthcare organizations can benefit when patients are well-educated about the cost of their care. Today's episode features part two of Eric Reese's interview with Nick Mendica of the University of Virginia Health System Medical Center. They'll be talking about price transparency. Later, I talk with HFMA Director Todd Nelson about the future of the revenue cycle. Plus, we'll tell you five things healthcare organizations should be telling their patients about surprise bills. But first, as always, here's the news. This is Rich Daly, Senior Writer and Editor for HFMA, with your healthcare finance news update. Alex Azar, Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, recently responded to the concern of hospital leaders that the latest federal transparency requirement would not be helpful to patients. That policy required that by January 1st, hospitals post their charge masters online and in a machine-readable format. Azar said, quote, We're well aware that could be an issue and that this is just one step around hospital price transparency. But to the extent that hospital list prices aren't useful information to the patients they serve, well, hospitals are the ones in the best position to do something about it, close quote. In other news, an estimated $8.3 billion is spent each year on emergency department care that could be provided in another location, according to a new analysis. The preventable spending on unnecessary visits by 17% of emergency department patients was identified by Premier and marked a significant increase from the $4.4 billion annual cost of such care identified in a 2010 health affairs study. And finally, the overall national underinsured rate among insured pre-retiree adults increased from 28% in 2016 to 29% in 2018, according to a biennial survey for the Commonwealth Fund. That is the highest rate of affordability challenges among the insured that the organization has found since they began tracking it in 2003. The organization also found privately and publicly insured people face similar affordability challenges. For more details on these and other healthcare finance news stories, check out our daily news page at hfma.org forward slash news. Imagine a frictionless patient experience that strengthens relationships with meaningful human interactions and uses technology to increase efficiency and enhance convenience. Making it real is the challenge. Join us at the HFMA Revenue Cycle Conference in Austin this spring to learn how best-in-class organizations are redefining roles and workflows to integrate game-changing technologies. Learn more at hfma.org rcc. As patients become responsible for a greater portion of their cost of care, ideas like price transparency take on a new importance. Today, we're bringing you the second part of Eric Reese's interview with Nick Mendica of the University of Virginia Health System and Medical Center, in which they discuss what price transparency means to healthcare consumers and the industry. Can you give me some examples of the specific kinds of changes that are going to be required to deliver meaningful and true price transparency to patients? Yeah, I mean, this is... This is where I think many of my contemporaries and, and folks within my organization, we get stuck when we start to address this because we immediately go to what we can control and then you realize quickly that one player in the big system, meaning a provider, can only tackle so much of this conversation. I think you know, for true meaningful price transparency, I think you start at a macro level and as a consumer base, we need a broader, more consistent education, understanding of what we're really talking about when we say price. 
and maybe not just from a consumer standpoint, maybe from a, from a legislative standpoint as well. You know, charge, cost, expense, price, reimbursement, financial responsibility, they're all interrelated, but they're all very different. And sometimes when we talk about price transparency, we're not always talking about uh, the same thing. It depends on what lens you're looking through. And it really changes the nature of the discussion and how then we respond to that increasing uh, consumerism. So uh, much of the conversation is around price, but it's through the lens of charges. And, you know, when you're in the financial sector, you know the difference between two. It's something we work with healthcare finance, I should say, something we work around as part of our part of our job. It becomes inherent knowledge. But, you know, we also know that charges is what we have readily available is not what consumers are ultimately responsible for or what providers get paid. Uh, and our third-party payer system makes that complicated. And I'd venture to agree, uh, say that we all agree that what patients really care about is their out-of-pocket responsibility, not really price. But in the same vein, I'd say at the end of the day, um, I'd also contend that we should be caring equally about cost and the fact there's so much disparity in what we all pay for the same services. Um, you know, what something actually costs dictates the price or what we pay and until we can somehow normalize this, the noise that is the third-party payer system we have, it's really hard to focus on costs and it's really hard to have meaningful conversation on price transparency. And that's the macro. And that's really where we start to spin around how we address this need and desire for, for price transparency. Right. And um, do you think that consumers are starting to get that? I mean, it's, you know, it sounds like you're saying basically they need to be educated as well. Uh, are we, are we yeah. making some progress? I, I think so. I mean, I, um, and, and I've been on the other side of the equation. I, I've, I've worked for an insurance company, and so I see it from both ends. And I, I think what I'm seeing now, and, and I, I love this conversation, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is we're, ask, we're having people ask simple questions. And sometimes simple questions really start to open up much more detailed review of the underlying issues. So things like, I see that my hospital charged me this, but uh, what I'm actually responsible for is significantly less. So what is the difference? You know, simple question. I'm not saying that nobody ever asked that question before, but I think you're starting to understand, you know, these numbers on a page mean something. And when I get these bills and I see all these allocation of responsibility, what the heck's going on with that? I think people are starting to ask what things really cost and how does that relate to what I pay? You know, we've all had scenarios where friends, families, uh, people we know, some people pay a certain amount per month for their health care. And other people pay 10 times that through the insurance exchange or through their employer or self-pay or, you know, self-insured. And I think people are starting to ask, why is there so wide disparity? It's all the same service. So, yeah, I do think there's more simple questions being asked. I don't think there is a universal understanding by any stretch of the imagination uh, on what uh, the complexities of, you know, our payment mechanics and our, our charge structures are. I'd be lying to you if I said when I receive a bill as a patient, I'm compl- I completely know what I'm looking at. And, you know, I'm a finance leader in a major health system. If I have that thought, I, I just can only imagine what, you know, most people who are out of this industry, you know, are thinking. When you say charges or price or cost or my responsibility, it's all interrelated, but it means something very different. And, you know, when you say, what's the, what do we need to do to get there? I, I think we need to have a shared understanding that when we say price transparency, that's just not code for poster charge master because that's not the that's not the answer to the question that actually just confuses the issue more because you know no matter what your charge master looks like no matter how favorable or unfavorable you think it might be as an organization that's not what ultimately gets 
reflected in terms of your responsibility or your provider's responsibility or uh, your um, employer's responsibility if you're if you have a group plan. So, you know, I don't see the the value in that, and actually, I see it's it's, it's detrimental if we continue down a path where we don't clarify what we're really trying to accomplish. Um, I think the you know the spirit of where we're going as an industry in terms of price transparency is spot on. In, in any industry, there's no consumer who who wants to be blind to what it is they think they're purchasing or have no transparency into what it costs or what they're getting. There, there's there's no way that anybody in my role or elsewhere I, I I would contend can stand on a podium and say that we just need to continue as we are. But I do think that we need to be really mindful about what we introduce into the lexicon and knowing that we need to have a shared understanding of what we're talking about. So it's a first step. What we're seeing in the industry now is a first step. And I, and I think that's, that's the way we need to look at it. It's an evolution. How do you benchmark your revenue cycle performance? Many organizations measure success compared to past performance. Others leverage software to benchmark against other facilities that share the same technology. But that only paints part of the picture. What about comparing your performance to your peers? Peers that you define in custom peer groups. MapApp is the online benchmarking tool from HFMA that helps organizations compare their performance against data from more than 600 facilities. Interested in taking the next steps to identify your revenue cycle opportunities? Visit hfma.org forward slash MapApp. Welcome back to Voices in Healthcare Finance. I'm Erica Grotto. As of this recording, HFMA is gearing up for our Revenue Cycle Conference next month. You heard about it before the last segment. The theme of the conference is Imagine Tomorrow's Revenue Cycle. I wanted to know more about what that tomorrow might look like, so I sat down recently with Todd Nelson, HFMA's Director of Partner Relationships and Chief Partnership Executive, to talk about it. I think from an HFMA perspective, we like to think about tomorrow's revenue cycle being similar to a lot of the initiatives and things that we've talked with revenue cycle leaders and finance leaders about today. And it's really advancing those initiatives. So for example, we've heard a lot about price transparency, surprise billing, um, those types of things happening in the news. And one of the reasons those are occurring is because patients, consumers are, are concerned about the high cost of healthcare. So, you know, our perspective of the future or next generation revenue cycle from a consumer engagement perspective, from a patient perspective, is that we're doing things like avoiding surprise bills. That takes everybody. That's a big collaborative effort around that. It, it also is having us think about how we're using technology in the future. So providing patient estimates um, up front, letting people know what their out-of-pocket is going to be. So it's a real-time adjudication so that patients uh, really understand what they're going to pay at the time of service and not, not later. HFMA has some guidance uh, about that, but it really is up to the industry to go ahead and implement it. And it's not easy. You know, revenue cycle is a, uh, a complicated process. Uh, that being said, there's technology that is out there and rapidly developing to help automate what used to be some very manual processes. So when we think about revenue cycle of the future, we think about technology and automation, we think about patient focus, we think about consumer focus, 
um, if we're moving from the word patient to consumer, and really looking more like other businesses that aren't healthcare. And that's really just the basis uh, as, as we think about it. But there are certainly other aspects to it as well. As patients take on a larger financial responsibility for their health care, Nelson says hospitals and health systems must be more in tune with the patient than ever to ensure successful revenue cycle operations. You know, we're seeing larger deductibles and out-of-pocket payments by patients, and, and that's been a trend that's been happening over the last several years. And I think folks aren't prepared for that. Normally, when they have a large out-of-pocket, they've come on an emergent basis, or they've come for something that wasn't planned. You know, sometimes folks uh, will think about major purchases in their life and save and plan for them, but most people don't do that when it comes to their health care. And so it becomes a big expense for them, and they're not really sure about the complicated nature of health care. And so the more we can continue to focus on the patient, I think. Uh, we've always focused as a healthcare industry on clinically the patient, obviously, and I think we have focused financially on the patient, but we can do it more proactively and more upfront so that there's not a, a surprise after they're clinically well that they become financially strapped. And, you know, that's, that's education, that's patient taking some responsibility as well, but there are things we can do, you know, throughout the revenue cycle and in the, in the industry to help folks be better prepared. Technology and automation has always been an integral part of the revenue cycle. But according to Nelson, healthcare organizations should be looking to strengthen that bond even more. I think technology um, is going to be key. We're seeing folks uh, looking at their electronic health record and leveraging the data from that from a revenue cycle perspective so that we're not seeing revenue cycle sitting over, not connected to the EHR and the data that's there, uh, which is, is really key. I think potentially in the future, we'll see payments uh, created from the EHR and the clinical outcomes directly through the revenue cycle to the payer and uh, who knows, maybe even through the, the banking system and they're all linked together. But I think you know there's a lot of those types of things that are, are trends that are, are slowly moving in the right direction. The purchase of the technology and the investment in it is certainly something that is is not you know lightly taken. Uh, it needs to be part of a planned budgeting process. It needs to be part of thinking about how your team and your staff are going to work with that technology and how their role changes. So that if you're going to automate a certain aspect of you know any business the role of the staff and the team that was maybe previously performing a manual function is going to be different. So let's say you can automate a certain process. Uh, you need to invest in not only the training of whatever that electronic automation is, but how the staff are going to utilize that and then use their great skills, their intelligence to look at the exceptions. So the things that fall out of the automated process um, which is really the benefit of of utilizing the you know excellent smart people that we have in the revenue cycle um, area, but that may also require investing in their training to make sure that they understand work cues and how the exceptions fall out of the the revenue cycle. We have the revenue cycle conference coming up in March. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about what people might expect if they attend? Absolutely. I mean, the, the focus of the Revenue Cycle Conference coming up in March is the revenue cycle of the future. And so we've got uh, sessions on artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, human connections, as well as a major organization is going to talk about the revenue cycle of the future from their perspective. And, and frankly, that's really the focus. So, you know, the podcast is very timely in that the conference is going to follow right on the heels of that. And therefore, people really have the opportunity to, to learn a lot about what's happening in that area. I'm excited about that conference and, and the lineup of speakers that we have, the interactive opportunities for folks uh, to attend and not just hear from people, but actually work with them to develop solutions and learn about some of these new advancements and even create their own vision for what their organization's revenue cycle of the future looks like. If you haven't registered or you want to learn more about the speakers at the Revenue Cycle Conference, you can get all the information you need at hfma.org rcc. Guess what time it is? Time to renew your HFMA membership and keep your access to valuable industry tools and expertise. If you've already renewed, get ready for new resources and innovative ways to elevate your knowledge, develop your career, and find practical strategies for moving your organization forward. Renew today at hfma.org renew. As we said at the beginning of the episode, February is National Wise Healthcare Consumer Month, and there's been a lot of conversation in the industry about how to talk with patients about their financial responsibility. One key pain point for patients is the surprise bill or balance bill that comes when a patient sees an out-of-network provider. HFMA, in collaboration with the American Hospital Association and America's Health Insurance Plans, and with input from the American Medical Association, has created a guide for healthcare organizations to share with their patients about avoiding these unpleasant surprises. Today's Fast Five features five things patients can do to ensure their providers are in-network in advance of a planned procedure. Ask for the names of the healthcare professionals providing services during the procedure. If those names are not available, ask for the name of the practice group that provides the services. Check network status with both your health plan and the individual healthcare professional or practice group. If you discover that a healthcare professional or group is out of network, work with your health plan and primary care provider to find an in-network alternative. Get the name of the facility and ask what part of the procedure will take place there. Ask if there are any other facilities where you will receive care. As you did with the professionals and practice groups, check network status of any facilities where you'll receive care and work to find alternatives if you find they're out of network. Keep track of whom you speak to and when for every step in the process to ensure you've covered all your bases. This information came from Avoiding Surprises in Your Medical Bills. If you'd like to make this guide available for your patients, you can do so for free. Just visit hfma.org slash consumer guide and download. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Our news segment is prepared and reported by Rich Daly. Additional reporting this week was done by Eric Reese. Our sound editor is Linda Chandler. HFMA's president and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you listen. 